I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I told you there was a red wave coming. Can you feel it washing over you? Can you feel it? Ah, It's high noon for Thursday, December 17th, 2020. Follow the podcast on Parlor at I'm Your Moderator. Join the info stream on the Telegram Messenger app by going to t.me slash I'm Your Moderator on your phone. Okay? Download the Telegram app. Go to the link I just told you. And then subscribe to the channel. Trying to make this very, very clear because even my smartest friends are not getting it at first. So you subscribe to the feed and then it's basically just like clicking on my Instagram stories, except in a different app and you can see them all in line. They never go anywhere and you're on a secure platform. No one can censor me. No one can delete my posts. No one can prevent you from seeing them. I just got off Instagram where I could not reply to a comment on a post I made where a Texas legislator is talking about how John Roberts in the Supreme Court, when they were choosing whether or not to take the Texas case, was screaming, saying that they would not and could not take the case. Because back when Bush and Gore happened, there weren't riots. Well, who made those riots this summer? That was the left. It was supported by leftists. It was supported by Democrat mayors. Democrat governors and Joe Biden. It was supported by the tech companies and the media. It was supported by our public health community and scientists who told us that racism was a bigger public health crisis than the coronavirus. Do you understand Do you understand yet? Now, this is going to be one of the best goddamn episodes of High Noon you ever seen. And it might go long, and I'm sorry, but I got a lot to talk about, and I'm just going to talk about it, and it's going to take however long it goddamn well takes. How about that? So don't be a commie. And let's have some fun. Now, yesterday, I hadn't had a chance to watch this before the show. I did watch it, or listen to it, I should say, twice in the evening. 
the first time to actually just watch it. And then the second time, because I wanted to make sure that I screen recorded the whole thing and was able to post it later on Rumble so that it wouldn't be gone from YouTube or hidden from view. Now, what I'm talking about is Phil Klein's presentation, Phil Klein of the Amistad Project, former attorney general of Kansas. Phil Klein presented a case against Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg and his co-conspirators to literally buy the 2020 election by injecting hundreds of millions of private dollars into cities, states, counties, etc. to force them to operate their vote in a particular way. All of the places that Joe Biden fraudulently, quote unquote, beat Donald Trump were places that received Mark Zuckerberg money. Now, I've joked around about how Mark Zuckerberg paid for the drop boxes. He did. They paid to get voting rules changed. They did this real interesting thing that Phil Klein refers to as friendly lawsuits. Now, this is an important concept because what friendly lawsuits allowed these places to do was to change law without having to pass it through the legislature. They would sue, like the Secretary of State, I think, or maybe the Attorney General. He gave an example in Virginia. You'll hear it when you watch the thing. If you haven't watched it yet, you should. And then come back to this. Phil Klein, Amistad Project, December 16th, 2020. Hopefully, you can still get to that on YouTube. If not, let me know. On the info stream. Blow it up until I answer. And what I mean is the discussion thread on the info stream. And let me just sidetrack myself to that for a second. The discussion thread is t.me slash be reasonable discussion. Okay? Now, friendly lawsuits. They allow someone to sue knowing that the other party will not defend themselves, thus validating their lawsuit. Okay? That is getting around the legislature And it's getting around the judicial branch. This is rampant corruption and completely unconstitutional. So you got to understand that going in. This is real, real serious stuff. Now, Zuckerberg paid for those boxes for election judges. He paid for election judges. I have been talking about every single element of what you're going to hear or what you have already heard in Phil Klein's presentation since May. And if you've been listening to the podcast that long, you'll know that. 
I went through all of this in the controlled demolition episodes. If you want to go back to those. Another key thing to pay attention to is that the Zuckerberg money had clawback provisions. Okay. So what he wanted them to do was to change their elections the way he wanted and then recruit other places to change the election the way he wanted as well. And the better they did, the more money they would get. It is often said that he donated to Republican counties as well. And sometimes even more counties in the state. But he did that late after scrutiny and allegations of what this really is. He pushed that money in after it mattered. In Democrat locations, he had drop boxes everywhere. They paid for ballot harvesters. They paid for people to go witness other people signing up for absentee ballots. People they don't know, which means it could be anybody. And of course, that's exactly what they did. The Zuckerberg plan was to infiltrate the voting system in every single imaginable way that they could call legal. But it's not legal. And Phil Klein laid it out very clearly. And he said, what I am what I am saying is not that there was a crime. It's that this is lawlessness. The things that they did were in contravention of the voting laws. Okay? Every little bit of this is in itself illegal. But who was going to stop it? The judges? The corrupt judges that George Soros has gotten elected. Were they going to stop it? Of course not. So we have an absolute sham fraud of a stolen election. If you watch Phil Klein's press conference, and it's about two hours long, you will know not only how all of this happened, you will also know that the shit I've been saying for a very, very long time is all true. I almost cried 20 times watching that video because what has happened to this nation is an abomination. And whatever fulfillment I felt in being like, thank God someone finally sees I'm right. Not like I talked to Phil Klein. I'm not saying that. I just mean there are other people in the world who are understanding what happened. But whatever good feelings I derived from that were immediately offset with the horror of what this is. 
This is an entire attempt at takeover of our society by oligarchs in line with the most powerful institutions in the world and backed by the Chinese Communist Party, as I have been saying for months. This is the old guard exerting itself and trying to steal the American presidency. And people are supposed to move on. Move on to what? Bill Gates' dream world? Where we are all locked in our homes indefinitely? Because the vaccine came out too early? Because Donald Trump did his job too well for them? They're now telling us that we need to socially distance and mask even after getting a vaccine. Well, that means the vaccine doesn't work then. You fucking frauds. Communists. Understand what the tech oligarchs are and what they have. They have everything that you know that you think, that you do, that you buy, everyone you talk to, who your family members are, where you worked, where you went to school, where you live, where you live. Do you think they're confused about what you being at the same location all the time means? Of course not. These people make money selling your data. You are the product, not the consumer. They make money selling your data so that they can make you buy things and think things. And then they just used their money to make public policy about voting. And they've been caught. And to respond to that, they censor us. Not a little bit of censorship. Not, oh, it's a private company, so it's okay. Full-blown censorship. Their new terms of service could not be clearer. People keep saying to me, oh, you got to stay on Instagram. Oh, you got to stay till after the inauguration. No, I fucking don't. And it's getting real, real annoying. To answer that question over and over again, because it means you're not paying attention to the podcast. You're not paying attention to what I'm doing, and you're not paying attention to the details of your own life, which is what I am trying to implore you now to do. Instagram's terms say specifically, if you are still on their platform on December 20th, 2020, then you have implicitly and automatically agreed to their terms. 
their terms state specifically that they can delete any account that has been disabled before without cause. They will delete mine as soon as they can, which will be on the 20th if I stay there. And if I do that, as completely clueless people are asking me to do, then I waive my right to join a class action lawsuit against them. The idea that I have anything to gain by staying there or that you have anything to gain by staying there, by me staying there, knowing that I'll just be kicked off, if not Sunday, then soon, is ridiculous. So I'm not staying there. I'm not even sure what about this is hard to understand. I don't think people are grasping fully what's happening right now. Phil Klein's case is not a joke, okay? One of the segments in his speech, he talked about a man named David Pluff. He, he says David Plouffe, it's Pluff. He was a former Obama aide who then went on to work for Facebook and then went on to write a book about how to win all these places in exactly the way Zuckerberg did it. You understand? He wrote that book so that people would think all of this stuff is great. And by the way, I've gotten pushback on this, like Phil Klein isn't reputable and that so you can just dismiss it. No, everything Phil Klein is saying is something I have said. And how did I say it? Well, I got it from the fucking media. Because for the entire time, they've been calling Mark Zuckerberg a hero for all this. And of course they have, because he controls them. Understand what world we are living in. And so hearing Phil Klein talk about this reminded me of 2016, because in 2016, in the lead up to the election, I was often listening to the pod bros. John Favreau and his team at Pod Save America. And David Pluff was a regular guest right up till Election Day. And I'm sure after I stopped listening to them when I found out how wrong they were. And David Pluff for that last week was extremely, extremely confident. He called anyone who was worried about Hillary winning bedwetters. And I repeated that phrase. I repeated that phrase on election day because I was so confident that these people were right and that they were telling the truth, but they weren't. David Pluff was so confident because he knew that he had a voter cheating scam in place. The same scam they ran this year, but on a smaller scale in fewer places. And it wasn't enough. That's why Hillary Clinton did not come out and concede on election night. That's why she had John Podesta walk out on the stage and say that they would not be making a statement. They went home 
and tried to figure out if there was any way they could steal the election. And they found out they couldn't. And so she conceded and immediately we launched into the lead up to the Russian collusion hoax guided by Bob Mueller and the lead up to the destruction of Michael Flynn's life. Michael Flynn, an American hero, a legitimate American hero. They destroyed him because they lost. Then they tried to impeach Trump for something Joe Biden did. Joe Biden should have been investigated in Ukraine. Rudy Giuliani was doing that investigation. And so they had to find a way to make it seem like Donald Trump was the problem in Ukraine. And so they impeached him. And that failed as well. But not to Mitt Romney. Good old Mitt Romney and the Romneys. All the Republicans so concerned with their sense of false decorum that giving away the country for nothing is the natural next step. Then we had a summer of riots. We've had this pandemic that's been handled horribly on purpose and been used and exploited as a reason the Mark Zuckerberg money was necessary when states didn't even bother using the money that was already assigned to them from the federal government in the CARES Act, which only exists because of COVID. That is what they've done because Donald Trump won in 2016. David Pluff was so confident because he knew they were cheating. And he wrote this book to teach everyone how to cheat. And that's what they did. The statistical analysis is overwhelming. And I want to clarify, the one in a quadrillion thing is not that Joe Biden's chances of winning the election were one in a quadrillion. That's not the claim. The claim is that the chances of Joe Biden winning the election in the way he won, based on the votes coming in, the chances of that were one in a quadrillion. We're talking about compounding statistical impossibilities with how the vote came to be. Okay? These statistical impossibilities replicated themselves around the country. Why? Because the same system to defraud the vote was used in all those places. And Mark Zuckerberg funded that. You cannot pretend to care about the workers or to care about poor people, or to care about race if you allow our oligarchs to take away 
our vote. Period. The reason they felt so comfortable doing this was because they knew that they would just get Joe Biden into office and have Andrew Cuomo be the attorney general. And then they would just get off scot-free. That was the plan. Now, the plan got worse because Donald Trump won by so goddamn much. I just watched an analysis showing that 700,000 of Arizona's votes were laundered through this system. 700,000 in Arizona. Seven counties, four counties, sorry, in Arizona. 700,000 votes. You think that didn't happen? In Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Georgia, in Nevada, in New Mexico, in New York, in New Jersey, in Connecticut, and California, in Illinois, and Minnesota? Of course it did. They showed you the plan for how they were going to do it. Mark Zuckerberg did that. That is real. And there are thousands of affidavits testifying to it. They have the records of the machines. This election was only stolen. There's not not enough evidence. The claims are not baseless. The election was stolen. Over 50% of the country now knows this. They're doing surveys. Our point of view is now the majority point of view. You have to understand that. This isn't a joke. And so this was released last night, which means that Mark Zuckerberg and others know they're on a clock. And the clock they're on is about information. They have to make sure that no one else sees this in its fullness. Because if they do, then the country rises up against them. As it should, as it needs to, and as it will, thankfully. Now, I have spent the last few days emailing in response to an email my mother sent me that I thought was only her sending me this, but it turned out I had six other family members on the email. One of them is my uncle, who for a long time was a professor of biology at an Ivy League institution. And so the article my mother sent me was an article from The Atlantic about how science had saved us all. And I wrote back in response that... uh, I'm pretty familiar with the science and what's going on. And the Atlantic is a really terrible source. And this sparked a much larger conversation. And I don't know if it was the next morning or maybe that night that my uncle chimed in and began to say to me that somehow I was not qualified enough to analyze the science of coronavirus. And that's interesting because what he did was make an appeal to authority because he thinks that science, 
knows everything. And we went back and forth quite a lot. He had zero answers for any of the things that I was saying. None. He started out by telling me that I needed to produce scientists who, who agree with my narrative. So I sent him the Great Barrington Proclamation, which he claimed to be familiar with, and said he didn't disagree. Well, if you don't disagree, then what are we talking about here? Because you just asked me for legitimate scientists who agree with me. And I showed you hundreds of them. I think it's over a thousand now who have signed on. And the Great Barrington Proclamation was written by world-renowned scientists. And we got into a discussion about hydroxychloroquine and about how the American Medical Association had said that they actually never resolved to agree that hydroxychloroquine was safe the other day. And if you try to search this, all you'll see is articles clarifying that the AMA never said this. But the AMA is a lobbying firm, a lobbying group, I should say. And I'm, a, I'm supposed to trust them. I'm supposed to trust them over clinicians that treat their patients with hydroxychloroquine. That is using science as religion. Until the science says that something is true, even though it's been filtered through a political organization, then that's not the science. But that's not actually science at all. That is people taking science and choosing not to release it for political motivations. But we are supposed to bow down in front of the scientists. And it's funny because I said, well, hey, you know, if this is the best that science can do, then this is really the greatest shame your community could ever endure. Because this is a massive failure on a broad scale. This handling of coronavirus by scientists and the narrative that we are supposed to listen to and do whatever the science says has destroyed our society. Kids are not allowed to go to school. There's no science in the world that says they shouldn't be. Anywhere. There's no science in the world that says a curfew of 10 p.m., will prevent the spread of coronavirus. There's no science in the world that says masks work. There is science in the world that says they don't. There's no science in the world that says lockdowns work, which is why they were never recommended in history. But throughout this discussion, I get nothing but blowback and nitpicking. Nitpicking about a source, so I produce another source. Nitpicking about people's motivations while not questioning their own. Nitpicking about people's reputations while denying all of the facts. And at one point, my uncle said, you know, and because obviously I know this is all about Donald Trump to everyone else. He asked me, like as a writer, like, look at all these great quotes from the history of the world. When has Donald Trump ever made a great quote? I'm like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? 
I don't care about Donald Trump's quotes. And why would I? Are you going to prove to me that Donald Trump is dumb? He single-handedly completed the most difficult task in the entire world, becoming the American president. Although now I see it's not particularly a difficult task. All you have to do is have a dead guy and a billionaire. Donald Trump did that in the face of every single powerful institution in the entire world against him for five fucking years. And he did that and he still did it again. And you're going to tell me that you're smarter than him while not being able to answer any of my fucking arguments? Get the fuck out of here. This isn't a game. But I gave him a quote. And the quote I gave him is a very famous one. It's from a man named Martin Niemöller. And here it is. First, they came for the socialists. And I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. And I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. And I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. Well, first they came for the Trump supporters. And I did not speak out because I was not a Trump supporter. Try that one on for size. How's that for a quote? Does that quote mean enough to you? Because what we are seeing, what we are witnessing What we are in the midst of is the purest form of human evil known to mankind. They have decided that certain people's lives simply do not have value. And they base this on whether or not those people have enough money to counter their interests or whether or not those people will comply with their orders. If you don't have those things, your life doesn't have value. Got it? This is exactly how the Nazis rose. This is not hyperbole. Now, back to the clawback provision, okay? The clawback provision meant that if these counties, cities, states, and officials did not do the job Zuckerberg wanted them to do, and they were not successful in their work, then he could take the money back. He could just extract his millions out of these communities after putting it in and they spent it. Which means that all the people in those communities had to comply because these communities aren't making any money. And the reason they're not making money is because they are enforcing all of the restrictions Mandated by the same fucking people. And so Zuckerberg just gets to take his money away and say, hey, you failed us. 
Sorry. I hope no one finds out. You want to know how people become compromised? That's how. Money and shame. Money and shame. These people are all compromised. You can see how this connects. It's not difficult. It's not complicated. This is basic human immorality. Basic human weakness. Basic human cowardice. And it is society-wide. And people don't understand why this is important. Here's why it's important. Okay? Joe Scarborough today was ranting and raving on his stupid show about how Rand Paul yesterday said this, said quite clearly in the Senate hearing that this, that this election was stolen from the American people. And Rand Paul can and will shut this down on the 6th of January. And Trump has his electors at the ready because this is real and it is proven and it is happening. But Joe Scarborough went crazy about Rand Paul telling his audience that this was going to cause violence from the Proud Boys. But that's not the source of political violence. The source of political violence is Antifa and Black Lives Matter domestic terrorists supported by Democrats. This is not confusing. Rand Paul has been the victim of political violence and intimidation twice. Twice. He's been physically assaulted. And then he and his wife were harassed amongst a mob leaving Donald Trump's RNC acceptance speech in Washington, D.C. Got it? Rand Paul, an actual victim of political violence, is being called a crazy person and an instigator of political violence by Joe Scarborough. And Joe Scarborough's saying that because he is preparing a narrative for all his viewers to see political violence in our streets and blame it on Donald Trump instituting a coup. That is what he is prepping. That is what he is conditioning them to believe. That is preposterous. Seth Meyers on his show called us all dead enders. Yeah. We're just following the president to a dead end. No. You only reach a dead end if the road doesn't keep going. They thought it would end on the third. Then they tried to end it on the seventh. They have tried to end it multiple times in between, like Joe Biden's wonderful Thanksgiving message that no one watched. They tried to end it again on the night of the 14th, where Joe Biden begged for unity and said nothing went wrong. Joe Biden is not president and will never be president. 
Joe Biden is not the president-elect and never will be. Joe Biden is a criminal. This election was fraudulent and it's being proven. There is no dead end when the road keeps extending. So we keep walking down the road. And I know that feels like where I should end the show. But it's not going to be. So Georgia has an election on January 5th. Stacey Abrams, Brad Raffensperger, and Mark Zuckerberg are trying to steal that election as well. They have registered people to vote from out of state. They literally are paying people to move to a different state to vote. Got it? That's madness. The entire cheating operation is still going and it is going harder than ever because they are running out of options. And they are betting that they can get away with it, even though the entire country is watching. That is great, great evil and a grave, grave danger. And a friend of mine today sent me a screenshot from a website where people out celebrities or public figures who aren't properly complying to their mask mandates or whatever else. Celebrities, their exact location, where they are, where they're not complying. Celebrities, those people who feel invincible from everything in gated communities. Celebrities who think it's too risky for them to speak up because they might lose their coheels. Wouldn't want to lose my career. Got to act more. And I'm not saying I don't love you actors and I'm not saying you're not talented and I'm not saying your job's not important. I'm saying if you think you acting is more important than what's happening. I don't know what we have left to talk about. You had an opportunity to stand up. Your silent complicity is now coming for you. First, they came for the Trump supporters. Then they came for the celebrities. How about that? How many celebrities' lives do you know that have been ruined by cancel culture? That's a small fraction of what's coming. But you feel safe. Got to keep acting. Don't want to hurt my career. I worked so hard for it. Oh, you did? Got it. I know actors. I know how hard they work. I can see it. Some of them work real, real hard. And some of them get lucky. And some of them don't have that much talent. And some of them got hired because they have big followings on social media. It's just how it is. And in the course of the conversation with the friend who sent me that, she was talking about, you know, people who, uh, try to narc out 
people in public when she's around, like she sees them doing it or she hears about them doing it. And I said to her, you really need to cut off communication with those people because the truth is that they'll turn you in as fast as they are doxing these celebrities. They will immediately turn you in and anything that you say to them from now until then has the potential to be used against you. And you know that they will do it because all you have to do is reflect on your relationship with them and listen to what they've said about Trump supporters and about who should be imprisoned and for what. Now, I'm going to insert the audio here of a video of George Soros talking about how he avoided the Nazis. Now, this is three minutes long, so indulge me. It is worth it. When the Nazis occupied Budapest in 1944, George Soros' father was a successful lawyer. He lived on an island in the Danube and liked to commute to work in a rowboat. But knowing there were problems ahead for the Jews, he decided to split his family up. He bought them forged papers, and he bribed a government official to take 14-year-old George Soros in and swear that he was his Christian godson. But survival carried a heavy price tag. While hundreds of thousands of Hungarian Jews were being shipped off to the death camps, George Soros accompanied his phony godfather on his appointed rounds, confiscating property from the Jews. These are pictures from 1944 of what happened to George Soros's friends and neighbors. You're a Hungarian Jew who escaped the Holocaust by posing as a, a Christian. Right. And you watched lots of people get shipped off to the death camps. Right. I was 14 years old. And I would say that that's when my character was made. In what way? That one should think ahead, one should understand and, and anticipate events. Uh, and uh, one, one is threatened. It was a tremendous threat of evil. I mean, it was a, a very personal experience of evil. My understanding is, is that you went out with this protector of yours who swore that you were uh, his adopted godson. Yes, yes. Went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of property yes. from the Jews. That's right. Yes. I mean, that's, that sounds uh, like an experience that would send lots of people to the psychiatric couch for many, many years. Was it difficult? Uh, uh, not, not, not at all. Not at all. It, uh, maybe as a child, you don't you don't see the connection, uh, uh, but it was it created no no problem at all. No feeling of guilt. No. For example, that uh, I'm Jewish, uh, and here I am watching these people go. I could just as easily be there. I should be there. None of that. Well, uh, of course, I, uh, I could be on the other side, or I could be the one from whom it, the thing is being taken away. Uh, um, but there was no sense that I shouldn't be there, because uh, that was... Uh, uh, well, actually, funny way, it's just like in markets, that if I weren't there, of course I wasn't doing it, but somebody else would would, would, would be taking it away anyhow. In other words, the, whether I was there or not, I was only a spectator. The property was being taken away. Do you get it? 
Do you understand what that is? Now, there's a lot of George Soros conspiracy theories out there. Most of them are, in fact, true. But what I'm not concerned with right now is talking about how George Soros controls our system. The point I want to make in relation to this post about outing celebrities for not wearing masks is that we don't know who the next George Soros is. We don't know who the next person will be to say, yes, I happily sold out my own people and my own society, my friends and neighbors, so that I could survive through a lie. This man has power. This man meets with the Clintons, with John Podesta, with Steve Bing, who I've discussed before. That's all in WikiLeaks emails. There's nothing false about this. The man you just listened to could be your neighbor. That man could be your neighbor. That man could be the friend that you just choose not to talk about politics with. Because we're also happy to say that. Oh, this stuff's upsetting. I really don't want to get into this stuff. Oh, you know, I have too much stress in my life. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, all right. Everything's too stressful. Too stressful for you to worry about. Because it's not important. Or at least it's not important enough. Having this conversation is not important enough to take you away from what else you were doing to try to enjoy your day. It's not important. Because first they came for the Trump voters, the Trump supporters, and then they came for the celebrities. How far down in the list do you imagine you are? At what point does it become important enough to concern yourself with? To put above your wheel? Where's the point? You know who these people are. We all have people in our lives who probably go around enforcing mask policies on strangers. I see them almost every day. All you have to do is put a Trump hat on and go running. You think they wouldn't tell the Gestapo where you live? That's exactly what they do. Most of them are happy to do it. They are keeping lists. Have we all lost our goddamn minds? The same people doing this are the ones who five years ago told us that Donald Trump was a Nazi. And yet we had four years of political stress that the left created. But besides that, very good conditions, great economy, no war. Accountability for people who have lied and deceived this country. That's what Donald Trump represents. And they called him a Nazi. 
while they are turning in their friends and neighbors, while they are committing political violence in the streets, while they are censoring people and literally burning books and flags, while they're making sure that no one can go to church, while taking away your right to have your vote counted for you and matter. But Donald Trump is the Nazi because you can make fun of him in a clever way. Gosh, I feel like a a seal just clapping his big stupid hands in front of himself. That's what all my liberal friends looked like in my head. Wow. If only I could be as smart and moral as you. Oh, you made a joke about how Donald Trump talks. Oh, he doesn't use the right sentences. Oh, well, you know, the science doesn't doesn't really totally support this life-saving drug yet. So I guess no one can use it, even if they're dying. Got to have a vaccine. The vaccine is only 95% and your natural recovery rate is 99.8%. But got to have the vaccine. Wear a mask. This isn't smart. This isn't smart at all. That's not intelligence. That's not wisdom. That's not foresight. That's not care. That's not attention. That is neglect of your own life, your own world, and the lives of every single person around you. These people are detached from reality. There was a poll in the Washington Post days before the election that said Donald Trump was down 17 points. And apart from how bad the polling is, if you believe that the polling is done to yield an outcome, which it is, it's worth thinking about what outcome they chose. The point of saying 17% was not that they believed that was an accurate spread of public opinion. The point was that that 17 would be amplified so greatly by Donald Trump as well, by the way, this was a mistake on his part, but that that got out so widely that it would convince enough people that Joe Biden was in no threat of losing so that when he wins, wins in quotes, they'd be like, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, it wasn't as much as we thought it would be by, but he got over the finish line. So that's all that matters. And then they move on with their lives. That 17 was there to construct a false narrative. And that's exactly what happened. Joe Biden had no chance of winning, and that's why he got beat so badly everywhere that not only did they have to commit all the fraud they committed up to Election Day, they had to like rejigger the whole system to make up for the massive loss they were facing. So they stopped the counting and they did it at night. Understand what this is. They are stealing the American presidency 
If that happens, all bets are off. Do you get it? Joe Scarborough is tilling the ground and planting little seeds of political violence. Because he knows what's coming. Donald Trump will be confirmed the winner. The only way to prevent civil war and violence on our streets is to make sure enough of the country understands what happened and what will happen before it happens. So that the bad guys no longer have any public opinion on their side. So that no person who identifies as smart and reasonable, even them, they will know before it happens what's happening. Now, people have talked a lot about tomorrow's date, as have I. There was a report last night that the intelligence assessment would not be delivered within the 45-day window. A lot of people freaked out, myself included. It seems to be the case that the reason it's not being completed by that time is because there's actually too much coming in. DNI Ratcliffe said that Iran, Russia, and China had all interfered in our election. He's not joking. Intel officials have now said that Donald Trump won the election. They are not joking. What happens next is up to us. This has always been an information war. We are winning. We will win. But we need to confirm that win the same way we did on November 3rd by going out to vote in person for Donald Trump en masse. It is everyone's responsibility to make sure the people close to them know this. Your country depends on it and your life may depend on it. This is not a joke. It is not a game. It is happening. Now, tomorrow is Friday. And what the media does on Friday is they send up false flags they do it every Friday to control the narrative throughout the weekend. And I'm not saying big false flags. I'm saying little false flags. It's false flag Friday. They will attempt to insert and cement a narrative throughout the weekend while people are distracted. And they will let that narrative fester. We will beat that narrative, but some shit is going to happen. And I'm not saying it's a world event. It's very likely that it's going to be something that they say happens that no one can actually determine whether or not that thing has happened. Like the solar flare thing they keep talking about, like comms going down because of solar flares. Something that you could never know if it was true. It could be solar flares, but it could also be that they just shut the switch off. Or like the pandemic, the invisible en enemy, as Trump says. We can't know if they're just lying, can we?
the test we use believes Coca-Cola has coronavirus. Be careful about believing things that you cannot know, especially when they're being told to you by people you know you cannot trust. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. Joe Biden will never, ever be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform is great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com. Or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!